0: Um, back in the 60s and 70s, when I was growing up, uh, attending Nazarene churches, we had missionaries. And, and some of the missionaries were from, you know, the Southern Hemisphere, right? Um, Africa or South America, whatever. But there was a handful that came from what, what, what is now the former Soviet Union, the USSR. And and, and what they always talked about, and, and there, were, there were books, right? I remember the books, um, God Smuggler, you know, Brother Andrew, Journey into Darkness... Um, and, and it's really stories of folks that, that at, at risk of life and limb, they were smuggling Bibles behind the Iron Curtain, right? And, 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 I, and I get to thinking about that, and, and I was able to be in Romania uh, twice a year for several years with, with John Maxwell's leadership thing. Um, and, and I met several people who were Bible smugglers, and they, they told me these stories, and I'm just, I'm on edge because I remember when I was a, a very young teen hearing these stories, and now I'm meeting somebody in the flesh that was actually doing that, right? It was just, it was amazing to me. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but we have a, a Ukrainian church from the Ukraine. They, they worship in, in our gymnasium now, and I believe we have a brother right back there in the back who's from uh, the Ukraine. I don't know where he's, he's somewhere back there. Uh, um, they've lived an amazing, faith-filled life. And, and, I, and I get to thinking about that time in history, and I think about rocky soil, right, and, and thorny soil, and the, the parable of the sower. And, and I get to thinking, what were they thinking, Right. <laughs> Right. If you read the parable of the sower, you think, "Don't go spending all your time on rocky and thorny and shallow soil like the Soviet Union." That, that, that's that's crazy. That's that's who who would do that? Who would do something like that? I mean, who to thunk? Right. My guess is God wasn't worried. <laughs> I, I don't think God was worried. I don't think He stressed over it. There was no anxiety on God's part. Right. He He knew that the seeds were being planted. And even if the soil was incredibly difficult, the seeds were being planted. Who'd have thunk? Right? We, we talk about our strategies and our plans and our goals, you know, for the mission, reaching the people in Tri-Cities with the love of Jesus Christ. In our long-range planning committee, we've actually met several times, and we've, we've stressed over these goals, and we've talked about it and thought about it and prayed about them. Talking about things like persons of peace, right? Put your efforts towards somebody who God has been preparing, right? And this idea that we only reach or we tend to reach people like us. And, you know, the list goes on and on, right? Rational, kind of smart thinking, right? Wise as serpents and innocent as doves and, and planning and strategies. And, and there's a place for all that. And we rightly focus, right? And, and the parable we're going to look at today, this, the parable of the sower, we, we, we do rightly focus on cultivating the soil, and, and Pastor Dan talked about that. And, and, and so, so absolutely crucial, right? Good soil to plant the gospel seed. But there's also the other side of this coin, right? The other side of this coin, there's the soil, right? We, we, we get that, but there's also the seed and the sower, right? So we have the parable of the sower, and if you're listening to me, uh, you know, in, in, in a podcast, or you're watching from home and, and, and you're thinking a seamstress, it's not that kind of a sower. It's, it's spelled S-O-W-E-R. God's not a seamstress in this story. He's a sower. He, he plants seeds. So just, just kind of clarify that if you're, you're listening and you're not seeing the S-O-W-E-R word. So in Mark 4, the parable of the sower. But strangely enough, the messages, nearly all messages zero in on the soil. Right? It's the parable of the sower, but we zero in on the soil. And there's nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with that at all. Sermons are either finding good soil to plant the seed or making sure that our hearts are you know, properly cultivated to receive the gospel seed so it'll germinate and grow to maturity, right? We, we kind of focus on good soil, right? Ours are soil around us. But this morning I'd like to kind of look at the other side of that coin, the seed and the sower, The inseparable, watch carefully now, the inseparable, imperishable power of the message, right? And the extravagant love of God, the seed and the sower, right? We talk a lot about the soil, but this morning I kind of want to zero in on the seed and the soil. Um, Last week, we arrived at the idea that fasting during Lent, right, is about preparation and anticipation of the celebration of the resurrection. Right there, right? Boy, drop the verse. Bam, right? But listen, very Carson, it's really important that we don't stop at just the celebration of the cross, right? It's like, wow, what's he talking about? The cross frees us from the slavery of sin, but we don't stop our celebration there, right? We celebrate right on through to the fact that the very same spirit that raised Jesus to life, that resurrection power is available to us even now every day. We don't have to wait till we die to get it. Right? Just make sure you all understand that. The cross frees us from slavery, but the resurrection, that's what we're celebrating on Easter. A lot of people have been killed. A lot of people have died. But nobody was risen from the dead. That's what we celebrate. That's the kicker, right? The, the resurrection and it's available to us, that same power, every day on a daily basis. But we have to receive it, right? It's not an automatic thing. We kind of got to do our part, because, and we know that God's always doing that, His part, and we're going to look at that today. But we do. We've got to cultivate, just like, like Dan said, we've got we to do our, our part. Um, hence the preparation the anticipation part of the, the Lenten season. I want to introduce you to Miss um, Saigon. She is a geographically misnamed Japanese maple. If any of you know your geography, you know what I'm talking about. And she's looking pretty sorry right now, right? I I went out the other day and took a picture of her. But I'm not worried. (laughs) I'm not worried. Even, you know, Miss Saigon, she looks a lot. (laughs) This is going to be... I I feel like she's feeling like a lot of you are feeling. A little beat up, a little stressed out, right? right? We're going to make it through this season, but I want to tell you, I want to tell you I'm not worried about Miss Saigon, and I'm not worried about y'all. I want to tell you why. That I've been told that during the winter, there's a party going on beneath the surface, right? There's a lot of work going on. All I see is kind of nothing. But underneath the surface, the roots, they're having a party, right? There's some serious business going on below, and I can't see what's going on. It's just out of my sight, and it's largely out of my control, during the winter, I can just stay inside by the fire and look and, and as much as I can, prep and anticipate when that thing's going to finally grow and be what Diane and I want it to be. But right now, oh, boy, oh, boy. And, and during the Lenten season, we kind of, during the fasting, and, and we kind of, we, we, we do, we kind of feel like Miss Saigon, right? And we're, we're waiting, we're waiting for Sunday and then for Easter. The seed from which this plant sprang just to let you know, is still working out to become what the seed was intended to become. Even though it's winter, it's still, it's still being worked out, right? The plant's going to be what the plant's going to be. Unless the plant is killed, the plant's going to be what it's going to be. You can't stop it because God initiated that and he's at work in that. Even in that. And in a very similar fashion, you need to know why God isn't worried about our world today and God isn't worried about the USSR. He wasn't worried about the USSR back then. He's not worried about it now. He's not worried about COVID. And he's, not, he's just not worried. Right? We, we, we tend to be a little bit worried. But he's not worried. And you need to know why God's not worried. And it's probably not what you're thinking. So I just kind of want to hit on a couple of eh, not such good thinking ways. Um, again, we're going to look at the, the parable of the sower. Um, appropriate for this season of hardship and sacrifice and growth. Um, But it's a reminder, right, that during the season of sacrifice, there should also be concurrently a season of celebration, right? Each week we don't fast on Sunday, We, we, we celebrate, As we reflect on it, I'm going to say this, I'm going to mention this, and it's going to be repeated over and over and over and over again this morning, the grace of God. The grace of God simply means the fact that he gives us good gifts even though we do nothing to deserve them. We get them simply because a God is a God of love, and we're in a relationship with him, and it just flows to us. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. That's that's the way God is. The grace of God, in the midst of all of this and all of our efforts and all of our planning and all of our strategizing, don't forget about the grace of God the grace of God. I want to look at that this morning. Let's start in verse 3 of the parable of the sower. Jesus says this, he says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, even 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And really that's the phrase of, if, you, if you're hearing my voice, you need to respond well. Right? That's what he's saying. If you've got ears, then then use them. And if you disobey me in Jewish literature, that means you never heard me in the first place. You're ignoring me. If you have ears to hear, then listen. Respond well. That's what we're going to share this morning. Verse 8 and 9, still other seed fell on good soil. As I said earlier, much of the focus, right, is on that good soil, cultivation of the soil to make sure it's good soil and that's not a bad thing but it's not the only thing it's not a bad thing but it's not the only thing right the soil right let's just talk about that for just a second then I want to get to the seed and the sower again we, we've learned soil cultivation is incredibly important in growing farmers gardeners they know this right so they spend a lot of time removing rocks composting right pulling weeds and eliminating pollutants well, at the same time, putting in nutrients, right? Pulling out the bad stuff, putting in the good stuff. And just like, it looked like Dan was showing us this morning. Again, so, so soil cultivation is incredibly important. But a lot of times when we read this parable, we assume that the takeaway, the big takeaway in this parable is that our primary job as Christians, right, is to cultivate good soil in our lives and good soil in the lives of people around us. But if we only look at it in this way, and again, I'm not detracting from that interpretation. I'm just saying that cannot be the only interpretation. If it is the only interpretation, it leads us to what? Believing that we got to work harder and harder and harder, and we got to be better and better in Christians. And if things aren't going the way they should be going, then whose fault is it? because right? we didn't work hard enough, because we didn't cultivate enough, we didn't water enough, I didn't put enough compost, you know, I, uh, and I, I, we're horrible gardeners, right? And we stress all year round, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know either. Is there an acid lover? I don't, you don't give plants. What? Right? We have these crazy conversations, and then we, oh, let's look on the Internet, right? <laughs> and then we find out. Again, we, what, what ends up is we, we downplay, if not flat-out ignore, the grace of God. Right? The things, the good gifts of God that God gives us simply because He loves us and we're in a relationship with Him. Which leads to at least two possible ways to misread this parable very quickly. One, we can do it. <laughs> we can't do it. Just want to let you know. God calls us to help, but we can't do it on our own. Right? Again, it's not bad to focus on soil cultivation or to even encourage it, right? That's what the season of Lent is all about. And that's what we're asking you to do, is kind of cultivate your soil, right? So you can fully receive the amazing resurrected Christ. Um, But a sole focus on the soil pushes us again into a works-oriented view of Scripture, right? Several things kind of happen when we kind of get this mindset. Number one, our spiritual disciplines become magic tickets that we give to God and say, okay, here, God, I did my part, now do your part, right? I did what you asked me to do, I listened well, I have ears to hear and I have eyes to see, now you do what you got to do, do what you're supposed to do because I did what I was supposed to do, right? And if he seems silent in our lives, well, we must not be working hard enough, right? If our friends aren't seeing salvation and we're struggling, then, well, we're either not good enough or maybe even we've been been bad and he's punishing us, what? And this discounts free will, first of all, right? Because that person I'm praying for, God's not going to go in and turn them into a robot just because I prayed for them, right? You have free will. And it also discounts the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's work in convicting. I don't convict you. I'm not the convictor. Holy, you know, Scripture says that the Holy Spirit convicts you of the truth, convicts you of the things that you're doing. That's not my job. You just get mad at me and you won't like me anymore. <laughs> we do that as Christians, don't we? <laughs> Ministry projects, right? They're deemed failures if folks don't stream into our churches the following Sunday after we do a whatever oh, we didn't plan very well, right? We didn't strategize enough because people aren't (laughs) running down to the altar at the end of one of our ministry fairs or one of our, whatever the things that we do, right? Trying to bless this community, right? If 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 we focus on just our effort on our soil, on our side of the coin, we go down all these weird paths, right? Prosperity gospel. Hey, God, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Bless me material now. Bless me with material wealth. Or we get the whole Santa God thing, right? right if we're good, you're going to bless me, and if you're bad, he's going to rain pain. Right? I'm going to get coal instead of the answer I was kind of looking for. Right? And we, we get these weird ideas of God when we go down that road where it's all about us. It's all about how well we did that soil, and, and it totally depended on us, and if we don't do it just right, oh, the seed dies, and we beat ourselves up, or we get mad at God. Or we make the opposite assumption, right? God will do it all, and we can be careless, right? Or really even not put forth any effort at all, right? Because no planning, no goal formulating, no strategizing, no composting, no weeding, no removing rocks, because God is God, and He's awesome, and He's just going to come make everything come up roses. That's not what we see in Scripture either, right? He doesn't do all the load Himself, right? He needs us. We're the hands and feet of His message of love, You guys recognize that, right? He, and I know people don't like to hear this, He needs us. We're the demonstration of His love. We're His glory. When we find Christ, when we're far from Him and we find Him, we glorify Him. If if none of us are around, God's not glorified. So we know that the soil, good soil, is crucial. So I want to look at the other side of this coin now, right? Let's talk about the seed and then the sower. First, the seed. As we read earlier, the Apostle Paul makes an incredibly striking claim about the seed, that the sower seems to be extravagantly throwing everywhere, right? He's not just throwing it on good soil. I hope you recognize that. We're going to come back to that. So we get the impression, although it's never stated in the parable of the sower, we get this impression that that seed is super precious, Like it's limited. Like I only got so much. And it's only so powerful. And yet in the parable. (laughs) Right? God's just like, what's going on? Because God is the sower in the parable. I don't know if you got caught that. Right? Again, we get the impression that there's a limited supply, right? And God's what he intended uh, is at risk. I want to take another look at this passage. Watch this. This is starting in verse 17. This is First Peter chapter one. Since you call on a Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Right. In other words, um, He loves you deeply, but don't live foolishly. I, I hear that on TV a lot. Jesus loves me, and He's okay if I sleep around. Eh, not so much. I, I just don't. I'm not. I'm not sure that's true. Yes, He loves you, but don't live foolishly. don't don't, don't live foolishly. Continuing in verse 18, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Right? It wasn't with perishable things, statues and rituals with golden candelabras and, and silver bowls. But it was something imperishable, something imperishable that you were saved. And i keep reading verse 19. Right? With the precious blood of Christ... A lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but is only revealed in these last times for your sake. So it's not like Christ was created in 2,000 years ago. He's been around since the very beginning. He was the the key part of the plan before any of you ever were, before creation was. Verse 21. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope is in God. Now that, that's kind of worded a little bit funny. I kind of struggle with it. maybe you don't struggle with that at all. So I want to just throw this one verse in with the message version, kind of show you the message version to show you this incredible connection between the imperishable seed Jesus Christ and our imperishable hope. This is a bit maybe a bit more clear, maybe it was already clear. This is the message version, same verse. It's because of this sacrifice Messiah. Whom God then raised from the dead and glorified, that you trust God, that you have a hope in God. It's because Christ was raised from the dead that you have a faith and that you have a hope. That's what's being said. Because Christ was, not because he was crucified, but because he was raised from the dead, that's why you have a hope. That's why you have hope. All right Through his death, Jesus frees us from sin and death, but it's through the resurrection that he gives us a life as glorious as and imperishable as his own. Right, it's through the redemption that we have faith and hope in God. That's the imperishable gospel seed. Verse 22, I'm going to go back to NIV. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply. Right. Now that you have the truth... Love each other deeply. Now you're free to love each other regardless of race, skin, color, sexual identity, nationality, politics, or any of the other things that divide us or divide us from God. We're free to love any of those people. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We're free to love them with no fear. No fear of, oh, don't touch that because the death in that might transfer to you. No, the life in us transfers to the dead. Right? you understand that? It doesn't work the other way around. When we have the Holy Spirit, life enters dead things. And this is crucial. All of these things are from God. This freedom to love. Why? Because it was God's grace that saved you. So it's going to be God's grace that saves the people that you might not think deserve to be sick. Saved, right? You're looking at their lifestyle and you're going, Oh no, God, skip them, please. I don't want their mansion next to mine. Right? And we think that's something I know you do, I know you do. You now that you know the truth, right? It was grace of God that saved you. And it's the grace of God that's gonna save somebody else, not you deciding that they're worthy to be saved. So therefore you're going to carefully plant a gospel seed there, because you've decided it might work. I want to keep reading. In verse 23, it says this, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all of their glory is like flowers in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Right? All of our efforts will fade. A lot of them will be corrupted. Many times our efforts are just going to fail. They're just going to flat fall on their face. Listen. What we do is vitally important, but it's not the most important. All right, so we've looked at the soil. We've looked at the seed. Now, what about the sower? Right. The key player in today's text. I don't know if you recognize this. The key player is not the soil. It's the sower. The sower is the key player in this parable. Right. It's God, not us. And again, as the sower, I want you to notice something. God is incredibly generous and gracious with the way he sows the seeds. He's not looking for specific soil. Right? He didn't look out amongst you and say, you look like a relatively holy person. I'm going to bestow grace on you, but you, not so much, right? No, it's like all of y'all are amazing. And he's going to bestow grace on, on all of you. He's extravagantly scattering the seed. Even when he knows, even when he knows cold hearts and rejection are going to be the response. Even when he knows that the rocky soil and the thorny soil is going to choke out the love of his son, he he does it anyway. I don't think God can help himself. As I read scripture, I don't think God can help himself. He does this because this is who he is. He can't stop loving, right? He doesn't decide one day, I think I'm going to be unloving, Right? It's like a dog deciding one day I'm going to be a cat. Right? It, it, it's, it's impossible. God can't be unloving. It's just what he does. And it never stops. It never stops. We call this prevenient grace. Right, The grace of God that goes before. Right? Some of you have been Nazarenes for a long time. If you remember the old phrase was free agency. Same thing. Right? They changed it I think in 2001 in our manual to prevenient grace. Same thing. The grace that goes before. Well, before what, you ask? Before anything you ever did, anything you ever thought. Before you even were, there was God's grace. The grace that goes before. Before the creation of the world, God's grace was. Before we even thought about our mission and our strategy and our statements and our goals and all that kind of stuff, God's grace was already there. He went before our little committee. He was out in front of our long-range planning committee because that's what God does. Even if people choose not to receive the grace of God, grace is still extended to them. That's prevenient grace. The Holy Spirit is continually at work in the world. Seeds of grace are continually being sown extravagantly, almost carelessly, because that's our God. He can't help it. He can't help it. Some grow, some don't. See, listen, God knows how to cultivate soil, right? You understand that, right? He knows how to cultivate soil. He knows the steps to seeing good seeds grow. He knows all this. He knows all this, and yet in the parable, he throws the seeds everywhere, right? He throws it everywhere, I don't know, perhaps out of a hope that even out of the insanely rocky and horrible soil that was the Soviet Union seeds were planted in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s if you go to the Ukraine parts of the Soviet Union today you will see gigantic churches mega churches there those seeds were growing they were out of sight people didn't see them, but they were growing they were growing because that's the other side of the coin Right, we'll smuggle the Bibles in, but that's all we can do. Then the seed, the imperishable seed, and the sower get to work. Then it's kind of out of our hands. We have a part to play, but it's not the only. It's not the. That's not the important part. I'm going to wrap the things up just a little bit here. Um, We need to recognize that Scripture uses the imagery of seeds and harvest quite a bit just very quickly kind of round out this idea of seeds in Scripture. The mustard seed, for example, the tiniest amount of faith can move mountains, right? It starts out small, but it grows to enormous, enormous size. And in Matthew, right, we see the need for workers to bring in the harvest. And what these examples show us is that there's a, there's a participatory partnership that's a part of the gospel story. We co-labor with the Holy Spirit to do the work of the kingdom of God in this world. But it's never a work that we do alone. The key player, the hero, is always the Holy Spirit. From Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation, the the, the key player is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God makes things happen. Again, this is why I mentioned at the very beginning of my sermon, I, I actually wrote it down as I was preparing. Well, you got us on one side, and we got the seed, the imperishable seed... And we got an extravagantly loving Heavenly Father, the sower, on this side. And I, and I wrote, right, let's look at the other side of the equation. And I let that sit for a minute, and it kept bugging me. And I went back to so it, was like, no, it's not an equation. We are not equal to the seed and the sower, right? But it is the same side of a coin. I think that one works better, right? He's not going to be able to do it entirely. He needs us. We are the hands and feet of Christ. Just a couple concluding thoughts about this sacred invitation. First of all, know that God is always at work. He's always at work. Just below the surface sometimes. Sometimes we can't see the work that's going on. We can't see it. We can't feel it. But it's happening, baby. It's happening, right? Second thing, God invites us not to worry or be overly anxious about our goals. Do them. Make them. Think about them. But don't stress them because they're not the entire picture. It's just one side of the coin. He also invites us not to live in fear, right? Perfect love casts out all fear. We don't need to worry about who we're rubbing shoulders with because we're not going to get unclean. We, they won't infect us. We'll infect them. We don't need to be stingy or judgmental in the way we scattered the gospel seed. We can be generous. We can be extravagant. <laughs> but at the end of the day... Listen very carefully. At the end of the day, there's no thorns and there's no rocky soil in this world that will prove to have a lasting effect on what God's intent was to make sure that everybody hears of the love of His Son. Our world's got shallow, rocky, tough soil. We we all know that. But luckily, it's not up to us entirely. We've got our part to play, but there's the seed, there's Jesus Christ, his word, the living word, and there's the sower, a God who's so loving, so loving nonstop that his grace just, it just, it just happens. It saved us and it will save the rest of the world. If you bow your heads, Father, thank you. Thank you for the soil, the seed. Thank you for you. Thank you for the fact that we, we're, we're not in this alone. We, you honor us by giving us a part to play, and then when we play that part, when we listen well, when we have ears to hear, we reflect that back to you. We, we honor and we glorify you, Father. So this morning, in this season of, of Lent, as we, we fast and as we prepare and as we celebrate the life that the resurrection gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us, Let us never forget, Father, that that the key player is is you. We're important, and we love you for that, Father, but your Son and your love, that's going to seal the deal. That's where our hope lies. Because if it lies in my efforts or your efforts, man, we're done. We're toast. Father, thank you. Thank you so much that it wasn't entirely up to us. You invite us, you ask us with a sacred invitation to participate in the resurrection life. Father, thank you for this. And let us fully accept it, fully live it in this season. Your sons and I pray. Amen.